Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, everyone. My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here, and it's good to see all of you. And uh, welcome to our first-time guests. We're glad you came out today, too. We are doing, uh, going to have some construction going on, as uh, you can see Bruce trying to get some help around here to move some things around. The kids' area, uh, we're going to make more rooms so that the age groups can be broken down into uh, a little more manageable groups and all. And, so, and also, we're going to make a little more room in the lobby. So those walls are going to come out, make some room. And also, there's going to be a sound vestibule put in back here so it won't be so loud in the lobby because we are a talking church and we like to fellowship so that's going to be happening over the next month and a half two months it's going to get busy around here but just like transformation like the series that we're in so is the building going through a bit of a transformation so thank you for being a part of that and working with that and working with the inconvenience as well as helping around here when someone asks you to well we are launching today our seven weeks of transformation. It's actually months of transformation as we want to follow through and get in a small group and grab a journal and get the most out of this uh, series. And uh, last week I talked a little bit about goals and why having some goals spiritually, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, and vocationally, uh, it's wise to do so. And those are the seven areas we're going to be looking at over the next seven weeks. We have a banner verse that we use. We started it last week, Romans 12, 2, the first part of that verse. Can you guys say this with me? Ready? Do not conform to the other world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Here's a, I read another version uh, this week, and I like this one as well, of that verse. It says, do not let yourselves be shaped by what everyone else does, but rather let yourselves be transformed by a whole new way of thinking. A whole new way of thinking. And that's where we must start, because if we let our feelings dictate what we believe and where we go and how we handle life, how many of you know you get pushed around by your feelings? I mean, your feelings can hold you hostage, and you can end up somewhere that you never intended to be because of your feelings. It all starts in the head where we begin to renew, like the scripture tells us, to begin to think differently. Think differently about ourselves, think differently about life, think differently, of course, about God, our creator. And it really does it really does hinge on that. How much do we participate with God in the changing, the rebirthing, and the renewing of our mind to think like God always intended for us to think? We can make things worse for ourselves by straying from God, getting away from God, and not listening to what He has to say about how we should do life, can't we? Just get out and do things on our own uh, we're called sheep, you know, in the Bible, and sheep stray. 
many times. The Bible says this too, that the way of the wicked, those that turn against God and go their own way, is rough. (laughs) The way of the wicked is rough. The road gets rougher and tougher than it has to be when we don't do life the way God always intended. And so uh, when we walk away from God, we don't even seem to have the ability to actualize or to access the help that God has for us. And that, again, all begins in how we think. If there's an example of someone in the Bible who was transformed in their thinking and was just totally changed, it has to be a guy named Paul. Paul wrote a majority of the New Testament. But did you know that at one time Paul was a spiritual terrorist? I mean, he hunted down Christians. He wanted to kill them. He did kill them. He had the paperwork to do it. He had the freedom and the legality to go and hunt down people that believed in Christ and kill them. But then he met Jesus. Then he met Jesus and his life was transformed. And what happens? What happens is he writes a chapter. There are no chapters, though, when they wrote it. But there's a chapter in the book of 1 Corinthians that some of you have had read at your wedding. 1 Corinthians 13. You know that one, the chapter of love, love is patient, kind. Remember that? Well, that was written by a terrorist. Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah, remember that next time you read it, okay? A former terrorist. A terrorist who had his mind changed and renewed and his life changed because of Christ. Paul is just a glaring example of what can happen when indeed we are transformed. And so I'm excited about this. I know we're all sheep. I know it's easy for us to stray. I mean, I've been told that sheep will walk right off a cliff at times. We just don't know. We just go out and we get ourselves in trouble and we stray. This morning we're going to look at a story of a young man who strayed. And from this story, we're going to glean four things that we can do in order to get our spiritual lives and to see our spiritual lives transformed. Of course, all of this is to be reinforced in the small groups. That's where we want to get. We want to get the journal, and I'll mention that again later in the sermon. But right now, we want to read Luke 15, verses 11 through 24. It's in your handout. You uh, have a fill-in. Every scripture that I'll be using is in uh, the fill-in, as well as some uh, reinforcing scriptures on the points that I'll bring. You should have a pen also. If you want to follow along, you can fill in those blank spots but let's read the story and this is Jesus speaking a man had two sons the younger son told his father give me my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die so his father divided his wealth between his sons a few days later the younger son packed all his belongings and left home to live in a distant land there he squandered the gift he had been given and wasted his life and money on wild parties and reckless living. About the time all his money ran out, a severe famine hit the land, and he began to starve because he was left with nothing. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. He became so desperate and hungry that even the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good to him. But no one would give him anything for his hunger. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, This is crazy. At my father's home, even the lowest paid workers eat well, while I'm far away dying of hunger. I'm going to return home to my father and humbly say, Father, I have sinned against both God and you, and I'm not worthy to be a part of this family or called your son. But please, 
just make me one of your servants who works for you. With that attitude, he headed back home to his father. But while the son was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against both God and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the finest robe in our house and put it on him. Then get my signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Then roast the calf we have been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking. For this child of mine was distant and dead, and now he's back and alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. <laughs> uh, God, this is, this is good. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave us beautiful stories to help us with our transformation in our lives. Now, we ask for your blessing on what we're about to talk about. Come and, and help us, Lord. Change us, transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, some of you guys have heard this story, the story of the prodigal son. And this young man was looking at his dad, and maybe his dad looked a little better in health than he wanted him to. He's like, man, this guy's going to last a long time. I'm never going to get my inheritance. And, uh, the, you know, the, the fact was normally they wouldn't get their inheritance until the father died. So the young man goes to his dad and says, look, I don't want to wait till you're dead, pops. I would like my inheritance now. And his dad gave it to him. So he takes off to Myrtle Beach in July. And he's like, man, I heard this place is like awesome in July. So he comes down to the beach. He's partying. And in the scripture, when you work through it, it especially mentions that he was having a lot of fun with the ladies, you know, when you dig into how it's... Because he's having a big, big time. And he just goes through his inheritance like that until it's all gone. And then a recession hits. Imagine that. <laughs> right in the middle of him having spent everything he had. Recession comes and he doesn't have any food. And we see him, you know, when we catch him at this time, it's, it's like mine, 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 me, me early on. He goes to his dad. He's not thinking of his dad's business or his dad's farm. He's not thinking of his older brother. All he's thinking about is me, me, mine, mine. You remember that? Mine, mine. Remember that? Remember this? Mine. That's us, right? I mean, there we are. It's in life, and that was this young man. All he could see was what he enjoyed in life. He saw nothing beyond it. Mine. Mind, mind. Push everybody to the side. We do the same things. We don't want to wait. If we can get credit or something, if we get a credit card in the mail, we can get another one. We keep pushing through it, pushing through it. We don't want to do the work of transformation to get to a point. We want it now. Mind, me, and mine. But he gets to a place where he's out of food, and the only job that he, that's even available is slopping the hogs. Now, most of you probably don't know what slopping the hogs is. I know because I had a grandmother that did it. It was nasty. And here's a good Jewish boy slopping the hogs. You get this? 
Jewish guys didn't mess with swine. They weren't supposed to even touch pigs. And here's a good Jewish guy sitting down in the mud looking at the slop and going, it's looking pretty good, you know, I'm really hungry. And what happens? The guy that owns the farm says, no, you can't have any of that. You can't eat my pig's food. You can't even have that. You know, our straying takes us off to some really tough places at times, and we end up doing things. We end up participating in things that in a million years before we left, we would have never even considered. But just trying to survive, we find ourselves. But the good thing is, if you have that moment of sobriety, that moment of clarity when suddenly you look around yourself and you go, wait a minute. Life was so much better than this before I left my dad. So much better. And he gets so hungry. He gets so desperate that he gets up. He gets a wake-up call. He says, I remember my dad's servants ate better than this. The poorest, the least ate better with him. What am I doing here? Maybe dad will hire me on as a servant. I don't deserve it. I won't even ask to get back into the family. I just want to go home. It's got to be better than this. In your fill-in, I'm going to give you four things today that help us begin our spiritual transformation. This is the first one in the seven that we'll be looking at. Our spiritual transformation begins uh, on the road back with this. We have to hit a place where we are fed up with our lives. We are fed up with where we are. He wasted it all. He had nothing left. And then it says he got desperate. Have you been desperate? Are you at a place of desperation in your life yet? He got desperate and he got hungry. This is not where I want to stay. Then it says he finally came to his senses. The, flo- the fog cleared. And he looked around him and he thought back to his father. And he thought back to the servants there. And he goes, gosh, it was a lot better for the least of them at my dad's than it is here. But you know what? Nothing changes if nothing changes. You just sit there and go, well, I wish somebody would rescue me. I wish, you know, until you get fed up with it. Until you get to the place where you said, I've had it with this. Really, nothing changes. We can go through the next seven weeks, the next three months, if you follow through in your journal. And nothing will change if you are not hungry and desperate for change. It starts right there. Now, it may, be, it may begin with your life and the fact that you haven't started walking with Christ yet and you're just fed up with it and now's the time for you to go, okay, God, I, I relinquish my rights. I surrender to you. I'm going to start following you. Here's my life. It could start with that. It could be those of us who are followers of Jesus and we've been doing life our own way for so long. We have forgotten what it's like to really have a king in our life. Maybe we've learned some things down through time, through the way we were raised, whatever, but that we don't even understand who God is. And so we can't have the relationship he wants for us with him because we don't understand who he is. Till you get to the place where you are desperate to truly want to change and to know him the way he is, we just sit there. Feelings. Well, one day, how, how many of us do that? Every day we're miserable. And we wait for the change, don't we? Tomorrow, if I wake up, I may feel different. And maybe you will feel different, but what happens the day after that? We wait for something external to change when God says, if we are going to be changed, we need to be transformed 
in the renewing of our mind, the way we think, the way we see things. And the first step out of that is being fed up. Having had it would where I am. Maybe you wrestle with who God is. I wrestled with that for so long. I wrestled with, I mean, I could preach a beautiful salvation message to somebody and tell you how much Jesus loves you, but inside it was hard for me to process that. Hard for me to accept it myself. And I had to go to work on that. I had to work at understanding who God the Father was for me. Now, I had it down for you. I could tell anybody about the love of God, but then it's like me, no. I'll just tell the message. And God had to go to work on me to even get me to see how he really cares and how he really loves and wants me. Maybe that's your struggle. One day I'll tell you the whole story of the struggle. But it didn't, you know when it started changing? When I got fed up and I got desperate to know my father to know who he truly was because I was miserable like I was. That's a beautiful thing when you have that moment, even if it is in a pig pen. Even if you look around and go, how did I get here? That's a beautiful moment because out of that comes this energy and this power to move on. So we get fed up, fed up with our life where we are, just like this young man did. And then secondly, in 15 and verses 17 through 18, when he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned against God and you. That's what he said to his father, right? And this is the next part of this. This is a big step. We need to own up to our sins. Own up. Own up. The way you think, you have to own up to it. There's no one thinking like that but you. (laughs) You know, somebody else isn't over there going, you know, making you think and that's the beauty of this moment is God has come to renew our minds but we have to participate in that we have to own up that we missed the mark whatever area of our life whatever idols that have been put into our lives whether it's ourselves family business looks money talent sports whatever it is anything that's in the place of God is going to keep us locked down we will not grow spiritually the way we were intended to We have to own it. Just own it. And I know, I know, a lot of us, the way we were raised, believe me, I know. A lot of us weren't given what we wish we were given so that we could process God's great love and his mercy for us in such a healthy way that we, it would be easy for us to renew our minds. But nobody else is going to change that for you. You've got to own that one. You've got to own the way you've reacted to it. You have to own it and say, okay, I haven't believed you, God. I haven't believed you. Or I tell people this all the time when they think God's mad with them and doesn't love them. I said, you calling God a liar? Really? Tell him. Tell him he's a liar. Go ahead. Well, I don't mean that. You know, I'm like, yeah, if you don't believe he loves you, you're telling him he's a liar. And look at the cross. Are you telling me he went through that for nothing? Really? But when it comes personally to ourselves, unless we own up that we haven't done the work, we never move, we never change. And if there's sin, if there's an idol, if any of those things or anything in the place of God in our life, it won't change. You're not desperate enough until you get to the place where you own it and you own up to it. We say, well, God's just forsaken me. You know, God's got the same address. He hasn't moved. 
but we stray like sheep, don't we? <laughs> I don't know why God's forsaken me. Well, maybe it's not him who walked off, you know. Maybe he's right where he's always been. Where he's always been. We need to own up to our sins, expose the idols in our life, anything that's blocking God's love and blocking the grace of God in our lives. And you say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can face up to my sins because it's so brutal. The things I've done, Tim, you don't know. You don't know. Listen, in this story, let me ask you this. How did the father treat this son? Now, do you think he deserved that? I mean, let's be honest. Your son takes half of your wealth, goes off, blows it at Myrtle Beach, you know, on spring break, comes back home. You know, the minute we saw him coming back, you know what some of us would be doing? I knew it. Come on, boy. Right down here. That's right. Kiss the ring. All right. Come on. Come on. That's what we expect God to do, right? Right? Own it that way. As soon as you quit, you know, as soon as you beat yourself up enough, I might let you in and be one of my servants. Or, I can't believe you came back. You really expect me to take you? Really? Really? But what did this father do? When he saw him a long ways off, he saw the silhouette, maybe the sun was setting, and he looked and he saw, and he says, I know, I know that silhouette. That's my youngest. That's my youngest coming back. What did he do? He took off. <laughs> he took off running to meet him. All it took was his son getting fed up, owning where he was, getting up, and coming back. And the father ran out and met him. And notice who speaks first. Who speaks first? It's a trick question. No, it's not a trick question. Who speaks first? The father speaks. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. What do you think he spoke first? Because he knew probably what was going on. Now, Jesus is telling this story for a reason. Who do you think is the father? And who do you think is the son or the daughter? Who do you think in this story? This is not like rocket science. You know, the Bible was written for people like me, so you can understand it. Right? The Father's God, full of grace and mercy, looking for you to find a moment of clarity, to get fed up when whatever place of your life you're finding that you're not happy and you know God is not pleased with, to get up, to own up, and to come back this way. And God will meet you more than halfway. God's not going to beat you up. God's not a man that he should lie God is full of grace and mercy, but our part is getting fed up and owning up that repentance. Isaiah 1.8 says, The Lord says, No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Wow. Here's a little key, too, in the middle of these four. We need regular spiritual checkups regular spiritual checkups and here's a question that we need to ask ourselves often and that is how is my soul how is your soul doing because nobody really knows but you about that 
How's my soul? That would be something nice for us to ask one another. When we greet one another, instead of how are you, we go, how's your soul? How is it? Is it peaceful? Is it where God wants it? How's your soul doing? I mean, we, we need to get checkups, spiritual checkups. You get physical checkups? I mean, I've been getting physicals for 30 years. You know, why do you have a physical? To catch something early, right? To find out if everything's fine. I mean, I get, like, because of the sun on my face, my eyes are messed up. I have to go to an eye doctor specialist. I have to go to a skin. I go to my regular doctor who is very probing, I might say. <laughs> I get an amen from the men. <laughs> For you younger men, ho, ho, ho. Um, But all of that is why, you know, because if there is a problem, you want to catch it early. Because if you don't catch it early, it can cause more devastation. And a spiritual checkup is the same way. We want to check our hearts and check our lives and check our minds and how we think, how we process. Is it healthy with God? Because we let it go long enough and we end up in the pig pen. (laughs) You know, looking for food anywhere and just trying to get by spiritually. And so sitting down, there is actually, in your journal, if you get one, there is a spiritual checkup in the back of the transformed journal. And it's great because what you do is you answer it on yourself in the main areas that we're working through, and then you get a friend to answer it on you. (laughs) You know, you score yourself, and then your friend scores you, and then you sit down and talk about it. Man, and that's how we work through life together. That's how we grow. That's how we become more like Jesus, right? helping one another, supporting one another. That's why you want to get one of these and get in a small group. Get the most out of this. We don't change. We're not going to be transformed without it. How's our soul doing? Uh, get a journal. You know, my, uh, I have a coach that asked me the right questions, and she taught me to watch for caution lights in my life. She says, just like your car, you know, when it starts to overheat, she says, if you notice the caution lights coming on, you don't keep driving. You stop you pull over to the side of the road and you go, what's going on? We can, do this. we can do that spiritually. You do a checkup. You look for the caution lights. You look for the red lights in your life spiritually and you pull yourself over and you go, okay, God, what's going on with me? That's good stuff. And in your small groups, you know, this week as you start, you're going to look at seven habits for a healthy spiritual life. That's what you're going to talk about. I've already worked through a week in advance, so I know where you're headed, and it's wonderful. I finished the seventh day yesterday in the first week. So you guys are in for a great ride. Third thing, we get fed up. We own up. The third thing he did was he offered up himself. He offered up himself. He started out with the my, my, me, me, give me mine, and then look, make me a servant. Make me a servant. He offered himself up. That's transition, my friends. When we get to the point that we are willing to serve and we'll go, look, God, just let me serve any way, any way I can, any way I can. What a transformation from self-centeredness to God-centeredness in his life. And it's, it's a process, isn't it? This whole thing is a process. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just... Like some of us are wanting it right now. It goes back to the me, me, my, my thing. We want to be transitioned this morning. And we're going to have prayer in just a moment. But it's a process. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We reflect the Lord's glory and are being 
transformed. There's that word. That's a process, right? Being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. God's involved in this. It's a process. The word transform is metamorphosis or metamorpho, just like the butterfly. It's not real pretty when it starts out, is it? Crawly, you know, slimy or hairy, depending on which caterpillar it is, you know. Then it goes into that weird-looking sack thing, poopo, whatever it's called. And, uh, you know, it gets in there. I mean, there's some ugly stages in our life, right? But, man, we're moving. We're being transformed. And if we stay in the process, out comes this beautiful, beautiful creature. Vibrant, colorful, free. Now, that's what I want. Be spiritually free. Vibrant. Put the things aside and behind us that rob us. And to move on. So we offer ourselves up to God. Fed up. We own up. We offer up ourselves. And the metamorphosis begins. We begin to change. And lastly, we lift up. We lift up our praise. Look what happened when they got together. We're going, I love this, the Father now. Oh man, if I had, I wish I had a Charlton Heston voice. You know, it's like, we're going to celebrate. With a feast. Oh, that sounds like Sean Connery. Uh, <laughs> of eating and drinking. Yeah, you know, he lost, you know, he was lost, but now he's found. And look at the last part of that story. Or not the last part, but this segment of the story. So the party begins. <laughs> so the party begins. When you're fed up, and you own up, and you offer up, you get to the place where you begin to lift up because you're so appreciative of the Father coming to you, meeting you, and welcoming you back to his house as a full heir, not as a servant as much as a full heir. Do you see that? Put the ring on the finger, put the coat on, put the shoes on. The Father wanted the Son to know that, look, you're no second-grade citizen in the kingdom. Welcome home, son. Welcome home. When that happens, a party happens. You know, Church is a party. Should be. I mean, we have times, you know, when our sin covers us and we weep and we cry and we go, Lord, take it. And he's so wonderful to do that. But then the transformation comes and, and, you know, we look up and we begin to sing. You guys are singing so much more vibrantly lately. You know, singing's really good for you. Did you know that? Some of you, I'm not going to ask for hands now. Some of you go to karaoke. I know it because I've heard the stories. I have heard the stories. And you know no shame. None. You get out and you'll sing a journey song. You'll sing, you know, beach music, God forbid. You'll sing all kind of stuff. You know, you don't care. You're just having fun. You're smiling. Your friends are laughing with you. Hey, we got the words on the screen. The music is up here. And if you go, well, it's too loud for me. We got these little things in a bucket. They're called ear bu- little ear things, you know. You just pop them in your ear like that if it gets too loud. And then you can really hear, hear how off-key you are. <laughs> but then you can sing as loud as you want because nobody's, you know, you don't know how you know, nobody's hearing you. You just hear yourself. So you sing. Singing is good. Every party has singing. Any party you go to has music or singing, right? And it's so in the kingdom when we 
offer up and when we lift up our praise to God. I just finished reading this really interesting book, uh, Imperfect Harmony. It's about a woman that's been in a choir for 30 years, a church choir, and she's an atheist. (laughs) She's got all kind of scientific data in here about what singing does to your body, and she can't understand why she feels different when she walks in the church and she sings these songs. Did you know people who sing regularly live longer? releases chemicals in your brain, serotonin and just all kind of... That's why some of us, will we'll put our favorite song on in the car. Yeah, we got a smile on our face and we're happy. It just changes our whole mood. Oh, we put that, you know, that song that when we were bummed out so long ago, it just drags us right down, right back to the place again, right? This is the kingdom. It's a party. Just like the Father said, so let the party begin. Let the party begin. Singing, let me just read you a couple of quotes from this book from people in the choir. This is when we sing and the church sings with us. It's an acoustical phenomenon. We sing and we hear notes that didn't come from us. Resonating high up in the rafters, it's as if we've excited the heavens who now can't resist to join us. Listen to this one from another member of the choir. I gave in to the music, and the music helped me find my way to a new community and a new sense of my place in it. And all kind of things go on when we worship. You live longer, you feel better, you release stress. I mean, there's no downside. And I know some of you can't sing worth a flip. I know that. I mean, I know that, but God's got you covered. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, it says in Psalms. God's got you covered. Just sing. Remember I said this months ago, God just wants to hear your voice. He just wants to hear your voice. And you know what? You need to hear your voice. Singing the praises, lifting up the praises to God. There was a party. A party there. Well, we don't have a, we don't have a fatted calf out here to a barbecue this morning. It would be nice if we did, but we don't have a big table full of food to feast at. But I tell you what, we do have the Lord's feast this morning. We do have a table to come to. And I want to ask you this morning, this communion packet that you received, just tear off the little white lip right there and it'll show you the bread and you pull it on back and, and that's where the juice is. I want you to think about this. This is the Father's table set for you this is the feast of the Lord this morning when you come to this you're coming home you're coming home to the father that loves you and cares about you this is his welcome mat to you this is what he did for you so you could get up and go back to your creator We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.